But tonight we are kicking off a brand new series called Made For It, and I'm super excited about where we're going. I wanna start just with a question. Have you ever struggled to connect with God? Have you ever struggled to um, feel like you are hearing from God? Like, have you ever felt like, I'm not sure, God, if you and I are on the same wavelength? Like, you've just kind of struggled to feel connected to God. I'd be willing to bet the answer to that question is yes. In fact, one of the questions that I get most as a pastor is, hey, what do I do when I feel like me and God are out of sync? Like, what do I do when I feel like me and God just aren't on the same page? I can think back to seasons of my life personally, and I'm sure there are ones to come, uh, where I just felt like everything with me and God was forced. Like every conversation was forced. Every time I sat down to try to read my Bible, it just felt like mundane and I was just kind of getting bored. Whenever I would try to pray, my mind would wander a million different places and I would get distracted. You ever been there? Where everything just kind of felt forced? Is there anything worse than a forced conversation? You know what I mean? Like you're in it and you, it's painful. Like it's physically painful when you're in conversation and it's worse. Like for some of you, you've been in seasons or are in a season or, or one day will find yourself in a season where every time you try to sit down and spend time with God, it's like an awkward first date where you don't know what to say. I've been there and, and maybe you've been there as well. And maybe one of the most frustrating things about it, it's not because of a lack of desire. It's not because you don't want to. In fact, what makes it so frustrated for those of you in the room that are Jesus followers when you've experienced this, what makes it so frustrating is you want to hear from God. Like you want to feel a connection to God. Like you're, you're trying to pray. You're trying to read your Bible. Like you want it, but you're just in this spiritual rut and you just kind of can't find your way out of it. And then you've got a friend or a roommate that just had a three-hour quiet time, memorized the book of Proverbs and journaled for three hours like they're an author. And you're thinking, I hate you, and what's wrong with me? Like, what's wrong with my faith? Does God give them a little extra attention? Am I doing it wrong? Like, is it like a satellite? I need to be in a different direction? Like, you know, like, what am I, how can I make this better? Like, what do we do when the supernatural starts to feel super normal? What do we do when the supernatural of God just starts to feel super eh, normal, super mundane? Am I allowed to say super boring? Like, what do we do? And maybe you felt it's your fault. Maybe you felt that your faith is too small. Maybe you felt there was something about you that was messed up that was kind of blocking your connection to God. And maybe you're in the room and maybe you're not a person of faith. Maybe you've stayed away from faith. Maybe you've strayed away from faith. And the reason you stayed away or strayed away was because this idea of having a personal connection with a God that you can't see was kind of weird in and of itself. But then you tried, you got nothing. And so you decided just to stay away or you strayed away and it just wasn't something that was working for well, for anybody in the room that is vulnerable enough to admit that that is them or they've been there, I'd be willing to bet, I know I have every single one of y'all in 2020 experienced that to some degree, but for anybody in the room vulnerable enough to admit, yeah, yeah I'm there or I've been there or I know what that's like or I'm sure that is coming, um, I'm so pumped because I believe this series that we're about to jump into is going to be fresh wind into a faith. And maybe for some of you, a brand new faith that you never thought you would step into. New series tonight, made for it. And the entire series is about this. It's about knowing God. The series is about knowing 
God. Why made for? Because I believe that we were made to know and live in relationship with God. Made, created by God, intentionally made by God, uniquely wired and made by God. We'll get into that in just a second. For some kind of purpose. What is that purpose? It. What is that it? To know and live in relationship with God. That you and I were made and created to live being connected to an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father and everything else that you are looking for in life, everything else that you really want in life, and I don't mean like a lot of money, okay? I mean the deeper things, um, not, not him or her, that thing that you really want in life, the purpose, the meaning, the joy, the hope, the peace, all of that is a byproduct of, a fruit of knowing your Heavenly Father and living in relationship with God. And so that's where we're going. But here's the fun part about this series, is that every single one of you was created uniquely. And the cool thing, and maybe something that you've never heard of before, is that you and I not only are created uniquely, but you and I are also created to uniquely know God in a different way than maybe the person sitting next to you. Uh, that God created us, yes, uniquely, but he's also created us to connect with him uniquely. That what we're gonna jump into this series is part of the reason why some of you guys have been frustrated as you've tried to figure out how you can know God is that you've kind of boiled it down to this quiet time where you just sit down with the Bible and your journal and you're not really sure what to do or where to go or how it works and it just is not working for you. That for those of you in the room that are a Jesus follower, you need to know that you are wired to connect with God in a unique way, and it might differ from the person sitting next to you. And if you're a person in the room and you're not a person of faith, you need to understand, I too believe that you were made to know God and live in relation with God, even if you're not there yet. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope you're curious and you might have some questions, but even you were uniquely wired to connect God in a unique way. One thing, way to kind of think about it is, you know, we all have different personality temperaments, you know, that makes us unique and how we relate to people and relate to social environments in different settings and we take in experiences differently. You also and me, we also have spiritual temperaments. We all have spiritual temperaments and there are different pathways that you and I have that help us connect to God differently. And maybe you've never thought about, well, what is my pathway to connect with God? What does that look like? What does that mean? What are the different types of pathways? We're gonna get into all of that. Because somewhere along the way, Christianity and spending time with God turned into, it's gotta be at 5.30 in the morning before the sun comes up with my Bible, my moleskin, and coffee. And I don't even like coffee, but I feel like it's Christian, so I'm gonna drink coffee. You know what I'm saying? And some of y'all are in such a bad mood in the morning, God doesn't even wanna talk to you at 5.30 in the morning, Okay? Like it's not, probably right, she's like, uh-huh, God hates me before seven, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like not everyone is just like a, like a basic Christian, okay? I am guilty, I am basic as they get. Like starter pack, before the sun comes up, Bible, moleskin, nice pen and a coffee, black. I'm good, okay? But that's not everybody. It's not my wife. In fact, it's not most people, but somewhere along the way we thought, okay, well that's how you get to know God. 
But have you ever considered what does it look like to creatively interact with scripture? What does it look like to change my environment? What does it look like to change the way I pray, where I pray, when I pray, how I pray, what I'm looking at when I pray, what I'm thinking about when I'm praying, what I'm doing when I'm praying. And so we all have these different spiritual temperaments and I'm convinced, I'm convinced that this series is gonna unlock a new way for you to connect with your heavenly father and I believe it's gonna change your life. So next week we are going to get into the nuts and bolts of how these temperaments temperaments work and what your temperament is. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss next week and you need to invite whoever you've got to come next week. It's going to be unlike any TLR you've ever been a part of. So next week, we're going to get into the how. But before we talk about how we have been created to uniquely connect with God, it is my strong conviction that tonight we need to be awakened and reawakened to the miracle that we get to connect with God. Before we get into how we're gonna do that, we need to be awakened to the miracle that we get to connect with the God of the universe. The miracle that God desires a relationship with us. Because you were made by God to know God. You were made by God to know God. And this should absolutely blow our minds. This should, this should stop us in our tracks. But it's, oh yeah, God made me and God wants to know me. Okay, that sounds normal. That sounds about right. I know for me, even as I wrote, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. That's about right. No, no, this should absolutely blow our minds that the God creator of the universe looked down at you and me and said, I want to have a relationship with them. I created them and I want to have a relationship with them. I want to have a relationship with you. He must have a relationship with me. This is too normal of an idea for us. And so what I hope that we would do tonight is wake up to the miracle that we get to know God. Wake up to the miracle that he's given us access to him relationally and wake up to the miracle that Jesus came to give us connection to God. And so I hope tonight, I hope that God's desire to know us and God's desire to connect with us will fuel ultimately our desire to know him. I've got three points tonight, really simple. I've got three points tonight to help us set up where we're gonna go next week. And I'm hoping and I'm praying these three points as we work through these three ideas are gonna wake us up to the miracle that we know and get to know God. Point number one is this. Knowing God is an invitation extended by grace. Knowing God, getting to have a relationship with God is an invitation extended by grace. This word invitation is intentional. Because the way that an invitation works is if you are the invitor, you're on the inside. If you're the invitee, the one that might get invited, you're on the outside. And until you get invited, you're on the outside. And then once you get invited, then you get access onto and into the inside. That the fact that we get to know God is something you and I have been invited into, invited into by grace. That the, the sheer fact that we get to know God is a work of God. The fact that we can have a relationship with God in and of itself is a work of God. It's an invitation we did not deserve. It's an invitation we did not earn. And it's an invitation to intimate relationship, not to just meaningless religious activity. Everything about faith 
Everything about faith, everything about our faith in God, everything about what we profess, all of it is based on a relationship. It's all relational. Look what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse three. He's praying for his disciples and he's praying for you and for me and this is what he said. Now this is eternal life. This is Jesus praying. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the only place in all of the New Testament where anybody describes what eternal life is. And Jesus says, I'm gonna tell you what eternal life is. It is that you may know God. Notice, he didn't say eternal life is heaven. He didn't say eternal life is getting to heaven. No, 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 Jesus, we have got to understand the significance of what Jesus is saying here. This is way bigger. Jesus is giving us an insight that eternal life isn't something that we wait for. Eternal life is something that we live right now. This is worth writing down. Jesus telling us that eternal life, eternal life isn't, can we go to the next slide? Eternal life isn't waiting for heaven later. Eternal life is walking with God now. This is such a huge idea. Eternal life isn't waiting for heaven later. No, 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 no. It is walking with God now. That you and I have been saved from our sins, not so that we would go to heaven one day. Maybe you grew up believing that. I know I grew up believing that. Maybe you still believe that now. Maybe you were taught that growing up. That, hey, you know what? Earth is just kind of like a waiting room. You just kind of go to church, do the best you can, read your Bible. But one day, man, the real prize is you get to go to heaven. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You and I were not saved from our sin just to go to heaven. Is heaven a part of eternal life? Sure, it's bigger than that, though. You and I were saved for a relationship here and now. That God didn't save you and I for a destination. Watch this. He saved us for a relationship now. And because of that relationship, we know what the ultimate destination will be. Do you understand that distinction? He didn't save us just for heaven. He saved us to live in relationship now. And because of that relationship, we know what will come later. That eternal life isn't waiting for heaven later. You will waste your existence. You will waste your life. You will waste your faith. You will waste your purpose. You will waste what God has for you. And so will I. It's not waiting for heaven later. No, no, eternal life is walking with God now. He says eternal life is to know God. And that word know in the biblical sense, it's way more than just intellectual knowledge. No, no, it, it, it deals with connection. Um, it's personal and it's intimate. Um, in, in psychology, psychologists um, kind of describe the different types of knowledge. You've got knowledge by description and knowledge by acquaintance. Knowledge by description um, is knowing about something, facts. You, you can learn third hand, you know about it. But knowledge by acquaintance, it includes knowledge of description, but knowledge by acquaintance is deeper. It's richer, it's interactive, it's participatory and experience. Experiential. Um, I can, a lot of you guys know sports. I'm gonna use LeBron James as an example. I could tell you a lot of things about LeBron James. 
Grew up in Akron, Ohio, played high school basketball at St. Vincent St. Mary High School. He was the number one uh, pick in the NBA draft in 2003. He came straight out of high school, got drafted by the Cleveland Cavs, then went to Miami Heat, then went back to the Cleveland Cavs, saved the city with a championship, and then went to the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's where he's at now. He's won four championships. He's won four league MVPs, four finals MVPs. Um, I know a lot about LeBron James. Yeah, but he's not my favorite, but chill. Um, I'm not hating. I'm just saying he's not my favorite. Gosh, leave me alone. Um, Frank's like about to jump on the stage. I know a lot about LeBron James, but I don't know LeBron James. I know a lot about him, but I don't know LeBron James. But my wife, Julie, I know that she loves hazelnut coffee. Black, straight up's her favorite. I know that she doesn't like to go to bed alone at night. She doesn't like being alone at night. Uh, I could recognize her and I know her by her smell. I know that she hates going to bed if there's any dishes in the sink. It causes tension in my marriage. I could hold a hundred hands and tell you which one is hers. Like I know, (laughs) I didn't think that'd get the awes out. Some girlfriends were like, (laughs) sorry guys step your game up though step your game up um there's gonna be some good dates this weekend there's gonna be some good dates this weekend like I know something is off with her without her having to say anything and I still remember remember I still remember and I can put myself there and feel everything that I felt when I saw her walking down the aisle on our wedding day (laughs) I'm glad that you're on because here's my point. You ready? Knowledge by acquaintance. It's deeper. It's richer. It's interactive. It's personal. And it's connection. And here's the harsh reality. Some of us know God like we know LeBron James. But the beauty of the gospel is that he's invited us to know him like I know my wife, to know him by knowledge of acquaintance, to know him like you know your best friend, to know him intimately and personally. He's invited you and me into that type of relationship, into that type of connection. And God did this. He did this on his own. He decided this. He brought us close. He sent Jesus to break down barriers so that we could know him intimately. But this was all a work of God that we were invited into by grace. I love what J.I. Packer said. J.I. Packer is a theologian. He's written so many incredible things. And, And this is one thing that he wrote. So this is not my words. This is his. He says, we do not make friends with God. God makes friends with us. Massive distinction. We don't make friends with God. No, no, no. He's the one that makes friends with us. He's the one that made a way and he's invited us in. It's a work of God and it should absolutely blow our minds. I have not met many famous people in my life. I'm not the guy that randomly runs into celebrities. I'm not that lucky. But one of the more famous people I've ever run into uh, is Cam Newton. 
I don't know if you know Kim Newton. He played Auburn, uh, quarterback at Auburn football and won a national championship. And he's played in the NFL for a number of years. He's been on my fantasy team a couple of times. Um, but me and my wife lived in an apartment uh, in Buckhead uh, before we had kids. And then we had to get all, you know, responsible and get a house and stuff. Um, and we moved north because I can't afford a house in Buckhead. Uh, and so... We were in an apartment uh, in Buckhead, and there's this Publix that we used to shop at, kind of by the OK Cafe, if you know where that area is. And so I dropped her off um, to, she was going to run in and get some groceries, and I was driving around the corner to go to FedEx to print some stuff for us, um, and then I was going to meet her back at Publix. So I drop her off, I'm going to FedEx, and, I, and I, I pull up in FedEx, and I park in my little Toyota Corolla, you know, and I, and I park, and I get out, and I notice this just ridiculous black matte Ferrari, and it's got these blue LED lights. It's illegally parked in front of a mailbox, by the way. Um, but besides the point, I'm like, this, this car's... Now, I'm in Buckhead, so I'm used to seeing crazy cars, but this one was just on another level. I'm like, man, like whoever's driving this thing, like they've got it going on. So I'm like taking pictures of it because, you know... Uh, yeah. And so I walk into FedEx, and I see these middle school, two middle school guys, I don't know, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth, they're taller than I am, but they're definitely in middle school. And, um, and, and they're like freaking out, taking pictures on their phone. I'm like, what is going on? And so then I kind of pull around and I walk up to the counter and I see this big old dude. Y'all, he's at the FedEx counter writing, but he's on a knee so that he can reach it. He's taller than me on his knee, okay? So I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, what? oh my God. Dressed to the nine, he's got a hat, fedora with a, with a feather, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's, that, that's Cam Newton, that's his Ferrari illegally parked outside. <laughs> so I start freaking out, and I don't go print my stuff, I do the only logical thing, I walk outside to figure out what my next move is. And so I walk out of FedEx, sixth graders are out there too, and I'm like, okay, 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 he's probably gonna come out real soon, he, le he's, he left his car running, he left his car running, so I'm like, he can't be long. So I'm like, okay, okay, gotta get a, gotta get, gotta get a selfie, I, got, I have to, I have to. And so I'm trying to think the pros and cons of getting a selfie with Cam Newton. I'm like, pros, this story's a lot better if I get a selfie with him. Throw it on the grid, it'd be awesome, the best thing I posted all year, okay? Cons, he might think I'm lame, childish, and then it dawns on me, I'm never gonna see him again. So I don't care what he thinks about me, I'm getting the selfie. So. I decided I'm gonna wait with the sixth graders, but not to be weird because their mom was there. I like kind of stay far away, okay? I socially distanced before it was a thing. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm further down the sidewalk from them. Julie calls me. She's like, hey, I'm outside. I'm like, yeah, I can't. And, <laughs> and, and y'all, she was pregnant with our first kid, seven months. Um, but, but I was like, babe, listen, can you just give me a second? Like Cam Newton's inside. She's like, who's Cam Newton? I'm like, I'll explain later, but like, it's awesome. Like he'll be out any second. I'm gonna ask him for a selfie. And she was like, okay, that's fine. Just hurry up. I was like, do my best. And so, so I'm just waiting. That man must've been mailing, I don't know what, cause it took him 10 more minutes. Julie calls again. She's like, Samra. I'm like, babe, listen. <laughs> I just, just, we'll buy more milk if it goes bad. I've got to get this, this, you know, poor thing just sitting there at the curb with the groceries. People are probably like, oh, do you need a ride home, honey? Uh, but so finally, finally Cam comes out and I let the sixth graders go first. And they're like, you know, they're all hype and they look, you know, normal because they're, that's a normal age reaction. Um, and so, but then I'm like, I'm next and I try to make eye contact with them and hoping that would like be like, hey, that would stop. But he, he didn't, and he passed me, which made it even more awkward when I was like, uh, hey, Cam, Cam, Cam. I was like, huge fan. Can, can I get a selfie? 
Like I hated saying it, but I said it. <laughs> and he looks at me, doesn't say anything. And then um, he grabs my phone. Now this is an important part of the story because two weeks earlier I had dropped my phone, shattered the front screen. So my selfie cam was all jacked up. Okay, so it doesn't take a clear picture. So I was gonna take a blind selfie, okay? I was gonna be like, I'm gonna take a bunch, burst mode, smile, you know, and, and just take a bunch and hope I got a good one. Cam doesn't know that. And so I'm like, hey, can we take a selfie? He doesn't say anything, kind of looks down at me like he's annoyed and then looks back, grabs my phone, is annoyed it's not in selfie mode, okay? Because he doesn't understand my situation. So he kind of like gives me like an annoying grunt, puts it in selfie mode. I'm like, oh man, that's gonna be blurry. And then snaps the picture, gives my phone back. Um, this is the picture of me and Cam there. <laughs> I told you I was blurry. I even doctored it up, man. I put every filter on it possible to make it a little bit more clear. Yeah, Chick-fil-A's in the background. Yeah, let's get it. Th thrilled to be hanging out with me, clearly, Cam was. I'm so excited. That beard game though. Um, and, and he gives me the phone back and I'm like, oh man, I can't even tell, but it doesn't matter. I eventually go pick up Julie and, and tell her and all this. He didn't say a word to me. Like I'm pretty, like we didn't even make eye contact. Like he was annoyed by the fact that I asked him for a selfie. He didn't want to talk to me. He wanted to get this thing over with. You know, he wasn't even like, oh man, your screen's broken. Do you want, you know, do you want to, like, they didn't even care. And why should he? You know what I'm saying? It's all good. I wasn't offended. I wasn't offended at all. I was, why? Because look, Cam is up here and your boy is down here and I've accepted that. And that's okay. That's okay. Because of Cam's status, he alone dictates the interaction. Cam is the one that dictates the scope of our relationship. Like if he wanted to talk, I would have been like, hey, what's up? Let's talk. Like if he wanted to show me the Ferrari and take me for a ride, I would have called an Uber for Julie, okay? Like <laughs> if he wanted to be friends, we would have started a reality TV show called Cam and Sam Take ATL and it would have been amazing. I would have been all in. It would have been all in. But he did it, right? Instead, he treated me like a fan. And it's fine. He treated me like someone who is not on his level. He's up here, I'm down here. He treated me like a bit of a nuisance and an annoyance. Again, I don't blame him. I can't offer Cam anything. I've got nothing that would be worth his time. Uh, you know, th th there's nothing that I've got that's like, oh yeah, 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 I need to have a friendship. No, no, he's got his own thing. He's up here, I'm down here, and that makes sense. With that picture in our minds, we have to understand with God. He is the one with the status way up here and we are the ones undeserving way down here. That God, this holy, perfect creator of the universe being is up here and we are down here. And there is nothing that we could offer God. There is nothing that we could give God that he doesn't already have. There's nothing that he needs from you or from me. But get this, he sent Jesus so that he could bring us close. But here's the reality. 
the Cam Newton story, we expected Cam to treat me like this. But in our Western world thinking, when we think about God, we just expect him to love us. When we look at God, our Western way of thinking, we don't look at God as up here and us down here and I can't believe what he did. In our Western thinking, we think, oh, well, of course God would love me. Why wouldn't God love me? Oh, of course God wants a relationship with me. We act as if God loving us and wanting a relationship with us was a foregone conclusion. Can I just tell you, God's love for you is a foregone conclusion in the sense that it is perfect and unconditional. However, our mindset can never be so. Our mindset needs to be, I can't believe the God of the universe up here did whatever he did to bring me close. Our mindset has to be leave. I can't believe this is real. Our mindset has to be what Paul wrote in Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner, while I was dead in my sin, while I had no way out, while I was left with nothing, while I was deserving of nothing, yet God gave me everything, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me so that I could live in intimacy with God. We treat God as if his love for us is an expectation rather than an exception in light of our sin. Because the truth is, it should never be an expectation. No, no, it is an exception in light of our sin. And Jesus came to make a way to make that possible. Knowing God is an invitation extended by grace. We did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. But God brought us close and he saved you to bring you close. He didn't save you just so you could have a destination. He saved you so in the here and now we could live an intimate relationship with God and that should blow our minds. Even more so than if I had told you Cam invited me to jump in the Ferrari with him. Point number two, knowing God, knowing God requires spiritual self-awareness. Knowing God is very connected to what we just came out of. Knowing God requires spiritual self-awareness. Now, I'm gonna preach until I'm blue in the face that self-awareness is your greatest tool to get better. Uh, self-awareness is the best thing for you to grow as a leader. Like I think every human being on the planet could use an extra dose of self-awareness. It's gonna make you a better, uh, better friend, a better uh, wife one day, better husband, a better boyfriend, a better girlfriend, a better student, a better friend, a better employee, a better Jesus follower. But I intentionally said spiritual self-awareness. That you and I, to really be inspired to know God and to pursue God, we have to understand spiritually that without him, we have nothing. We have to understand how far gone our lives would be without the saving grace of God. How much hope we would not have without the saving work of Jesus. We have to have enough spiritual self-awareness to know that there is nothing and anything in this world that can fill the void that Jesus was meant to fill in your life and in mine. We have to understand how lost we really are and no one understood this more than the Apostle Paul. 
Listen to what he wrote in Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse three. He said, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, if there was anyone that had reason to put confidence in, in, in achievements and in my own way of life and in the things apart from God, if anyone had confidence, reason to put confidence in the flesh, it was me. And then he goes on and he lists his accolades. He said, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he was the elite of the elite in the Jewish society. I mean, this dude was the tops. He was the best. And he goes on in regard to the law, a Pharisee. There was no one more passionate about the law than the Pharisees. As for zeal and passion in the Jewish faith, persecuted the church. In other words, you want to know how passionate I am? I even persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. No one can touch me. I've done it all. I reached the highest echelon of Jewish community. I had everything, he said. But then he goes on. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He goes on. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all Things And he said, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That for the apostle Paul, there was nothing in this world he could have. There is nothing in this world that he could achieve. There's nothing in this world that he could do that is of worth more value than knowing more of Jesus, than knowing more of God. The idea of something being worth more. Nothing was worth more than the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. For something to have more worth than something else, for something to have more worth than something, I mean, it's gotta have greater value, a greater value add to your life, or it's more rare than the other thing. And both are true of Jesus. Paul understood that there was no title, that there was no achievement, there was no success, there was no nothing that he could do, gain, own, or have that he could put his ultimate confidence in because none of those things could save his soul. None of those things could fix his sin problem. None of those things he could take with him when he died. None of those things could give him ultimate hope when things got difficult. Paul desperately understood his need for Jesus and his need for Jesus drove him to value nothing at a greater value than doing whatever it took to know Jesus more intimately. Because Paul understood, and we've got to come to understand that nothing this world offers can touch what Jesus offers. That there is nothing in this world that you can put your confidence in or your hope in that can offer you what Jesus offers. And when we get to that place, watch this, we'll do whatever it takes to get as close as we can. But unfortunately for some of us, what it takes is us learning that the hard way. What it takes is chasing that thing, chasing that job, chasing that salary, chasing him, chasing her, chasing that image, chasing that status, chasing whatever it is we think that we need, that approval to fill us up, only to realize that it's only left us hungrier, only to find out that it's left us more empty and more broken, and it didn't satisfy anything because now we just want more. When we get to the place when we realize there's nothing else that can fill us up, we'll want as much as we can get. I love what um, uh, a theologian, F.F. Bruce, once wrote. He said this. He said, the soul's deepest thirst is for God himself. 
who made us so that we could never be satisfied without him. My soul's deepest thirst is to know God. And God made you and me so that we would never be satisfied without him. That would be cruel. However, he made it so that we don't have to be without him. He made it so that our soul's deepest thirst could have exactly what it needed when he sent Jesus to give us access to relationship with him. So just a couple questions. What or whom are you putting your confidence in that is going to let you down? Like what or whom are you valuing at higher than knowing more of Jesus? Like what do you think is gonna give you something that Jesus was actually meant to fill in your heart and in your life? And let me just be really clear. Paul is not saying we need to be lazy people that don't do anything other than just read our Bibles. Like, don't quit your job and drop out of school in the name of Jesus. That's crazy. It's not what he's saying. It's a matter of the heart, and it's a matter of priority, and it's a matter of what are you gonna build your life on. Because what Paul would say is, hey, I want you to chase achievement and success. Paul is one of the most successful missionaries that ever lived, but what is at the center of what you pursue? What Paul would say is if we're building our life on a relationship that is with the one that created us and seeking to know him intimately and allowing that to flow into the rest of our lives, we're doing it right. So what are you putting your confidence in that's gonna let you down? What are you valuing at a higher value than knowing the God that you will never be satisfied without? And the second question What do you need to say yes or no to in order to create more space for you to know Jesus more intimately? What do you need to say yes or no to to create more space for you to know Jesus more intimately? Can I give you a really practical example from my life? My youngest daughter, Samantha, just turned one two weeks ago. Crazy. She's a little COVID baby. And uh, she wakes up every morning between 6 and 7 a.m. I don't know when. She usually doesn't give me a heads up. Um, but I know it could be as early as six, sometimes before, those are really crazy mornings, but, but, but it's as early as six or as late as seven. When it's seven, it's awesome. But here's what I know. Like I mentioned before, I'm the basic Christian. I like the morning. I, you know, I read the Bible better at night so when the, before the sun's up, my moleskin, my, my, my coffee, all of that. So I know that I've got to get up and get ready and get downstairs to have my time alone with God or whatever I'm gonna do that day with God before Samantha wakes up. Because when Samantha wakes up, that's my time with her, you know? I wanna play with her, her and I have breakfast, and then Harper usually wakes up at 7.30, and then she jumps in on the scrambled eggs and toast and blueberries and strawberries, it's kind of been our go-to lately. Um, And I just wanna hang out with my daughters before I go to work for eight hours a day. I don't wanna neglect them because I gotta read my Bible. I don't want my kids to learn to hate the Bible because their dad never spent time with them because of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, I'm getting deep, but, but here's my point. I know that my kids need me when they wake up but I know that I need God. So I say no to a little extra sleep in the morning to make sure I get both. And I have to say yes to make sure I'm getting to bed at a decent hour the night before so that I can say no to more sleep in the morning so that I can get time with God, but also make sure I'm spending time with my kids. What do you need to say no to or yes to in order to create space for you to know and pursue God more intimately? Because he's made it available, but it's a cooperative thing. Are you pursuing And then the third and final point, and we'll end with this. Knowing God is the beginning of your life. 
Knowing God is the beginning of your life. It's where your life begins. It's where your life is sustained. Knowing God is where you find your life. Probably the most famous passage in all of the New Testament. Probably the most famous verse verse in all the Bible. Like if you've never opened the Bible, you've heard this verse before. John 3.16. You could quote it. You, You probably, even if you didn't know Jesus or this is your first time in church, you could quote this verse with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I hope you never read this verse the same way again after tonight because let's use Jesus to interpret Jesus' words. That word perish, it literally means to be ruined. Ruined as a result of being separated from God who is life, truth, peace, joy, love, and our hope. So rather than being separated and ruined for God so loved the world that rather than perish and be separated, no, 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 we would have eternal life. Remember what Jesus said about eternal life. So that he could bring us close. Eternal life, don't read this verse thinking of a destination. Anytime you read this verse, I want you to think, oh yeah, the destination is the result of the relationship in the here and now. Eternal life is a new quality of living which is your now present reality if you walk with Jesus. Your life begins and your life is found in a relationship with your heavenly Father who sent Jesus so that you could come close. Because that's eternal life. It'd be such a waste if this life was just a waiting room. No, no, it's walking with God now. And next week, we're gonna get in the practical nature of what that might look like for you. But if I could just challenge you tonight as we sing these next couple of songs together, can we just wake up? Can we just wake up to the reality that God has saved us? Can we just wake up to the reality that God wants to know us? If you're a Jesus follower in the room, this message was piercing my heart. I was telling the band before we jumped out here today, hey, this message has been speaking to me. I need to wake up to the miracle that God wants to know me and stop treating it like it was an expectation, that it was a foregone conclusion. And I need to be blown away that every single day there's a new day where I get to walk with God. And then if you're not a Jesus follower in the room, if you've never given your life to Jesus, can I just tell you that it's available to you? Can I just tell you that a relationship with God that maybe is the one thing that's been missing in your life is available to you? that God wants to know you, he wants to reveal his heart to you, that he wants to walk alongside you. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross to save you from the sin that kept us here so that he could bring you here. So if you're in the room tonight, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, can I just tell you, we would love to talk to you before you left here tonight. If that's you, you should talk to the person that brought you if you're not comfortable talking to us. You should talk to your small group leader if you'd rather do that. But at the end of this service, our staff's gonna be up here and we wanna talk with you and help you process that and take the next step to what it might look like to surrender your life to Jesus. Because there's nothing you have to do other than receive it and believe it because it's an invitation by grace that we did not deserve, that we did not earn, but by the grace of God, we get to walk in it every single day. So as we sing together, let our hearts be awakened to the miracle that is the gospel. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father,
We love you. And we're grateful that you've loved us, that you saved us. Thank you that you made a way. Thank you that you gave everything in order to bring us close. Father, I pray you would awaken our hearts to that miracle, awaken our hearts to that reality, awaken our hearts to the miracle of the gospel, that you pursued us, that you befriended us, and let that fuel our passion with which we pursue you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.